Hey, this is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got another exciting episode for you filled with all kinds of educational and informative information. We hope you'll stay along for the ride. Some of the topics that we have today cover emeralds, uh, all about emeralds and uh, whether they make a decent uh, ring and material and such. We're going to talk about silver. We're going to talk about epidite, which amazingly there's actually crystals that can be faceted and used in jewelry, but also very collectible. We've got a lot of dinosaur news that's just unbelievable. We've got a dino sitting on a nest of eggs, um, a first of its kind finding for this particular animal. We've got blood-sucking dinos, um, and we also have an actress who has become a fossil collector, amazingly. Um, We're also going to talk about the difference between topaz, uh, yellow topaz, and sapphire. We're going to talk about the daughters of gemstones, gold in the Pacific Ring of Fire, some real famous gem shows happening around the world that you won't want to miss, and much, much more. So stay tuned for this with uh, Radical Rocks today. Come by our website, RadicalRocks.com. You could scroll down to the bottom of the page and you've got all our social media links. You've got um, communities, education, blogs, of course, links to the podcast, YouTube videos, and so much more. So come be a part of that and we appreciate your support. All we ask is that you subscribe, you share and um you know pass pass it on to your friends we're trying to build our group up and uh it is it is growing day by day and we appreciate that so let's get right into it as we have a lot of subjects to get into today um some of them which i didn't talk about um the earth has been discovered to have been an ancient water world So often the case with science and discoveries is uh, they help us learn more and more about things, but also sometimes um, they challenge prior beliefs. So for a long time, there's been arguments that uh, the historical view that the earth was uh, covered in water or that there was some sort of a flood or anything like that was nonsense. But this study in sciencemag.org entitled Ancient Earth Was a Water World by Paul Vusen on March 9th talks about all the evidence that's mounting that the earth was covered with water, including to the peak of Mount Everest. Um, Whether Mount Everest has risen uh, during that time or was completely covered with water or not, I'm sure that is debatable. It's all debatable. But uh, they have a whole slew of of proof and evidence of water being around the world. So if that's something you're interested in, you can check that out. There's quite a bit of detail. We're not going to go in it today, but uh, it's there if you're interested in it. Also, another interesting science new discovery, kind of changing their mind in massive iv.com it's massive science website it's found at uh, https 
semicolon backslash backslash mass i v e s c i dot com and it says supposedly the oldest impact of crater on the earth isn't a crater after all um history's being rewritten of the greenland discovery um of it being a meteor they're saying that has been challenged this is written by julie hollis on march the 8th um, and a group of these geologists went and studied the area and said uh, even though um, there is some of these zeolites that are found a lot of times these are thought to have been associated with meteorite impacts they're finding that the rocks around there are just rocks rocks that are found everywhere else there is no evidence of uh, meteors and it goes in it's quite lengthy i'm not going to go into it all the way but if that's something you're interested in you might want to check that out pretty interesting now blood sucking dinosaurs um we have blood suckers today many of them are invertebrates uh, they have no spine, so uh, from the fossil record, it's very hard to find um, imprints and things and get a lot of information from that. But again, science is being challenged. This is at the CBS website, www.cbc, rather, .ca. Um, CBC uh, News Network here has an article by Emily Chung, entitled blood-sucking fish fossils overturn once popular theory about our evolution um, interesting creatures i would recommend you go to the website and look at the pictures but the fossil of a newly hatched ancient lamprey um, is shown here and this creature has large eyes a sucker mouth with sharp teeth now modern sea lampreys um, look like a tube basically and when you look at their face it looks like a, an alien with these sharp teeth that would anchor into its prey and then a suction cup of a mouth and the eyes are at the side of its head uh, it looks kind of eel-like long and cylindrical with a fin across the top they're considered to be a living fossil, and they thought that they had a uh, a link between the invertebrates and the vertebrates, basically. And now they're finding out that the ancestors of the fossils that they found are not going to be baby lampreys, um, as if there's some sort of metamorphic um, thing that happened in their growth they're saying that this just is not the case. Uh, likely, these are more related to a amorcerit, a larva of a modern Pacific lamprey, tiny, blind, filter-feeding, worm-like animal that lacks the eyes, um, sucker mouth, and teeth of the large adult. They do have a resemblance, these fossils, of the uh, lamprey. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. The ancient one is the lance lancelet, um, which is seen under a microscope. Does not have a backbone, um, and and shares a few other characteristics of vertebrates. But it has has a physical resemblance to a lancelet, not a um, lamprey. So they have decided that this is not a missing link. This is just actually another creature altogether, which we have um, some of those in our world today. So 
another science discovery kind of being overturned. Um, so until the next person comes along and finds something, right? Always changing. Now, here is a really exciting fossil discovery before we get into some of our rocks, gold, and mineral. By the way, I've got some interesting discussion about the Pacific Ring of Fire that I didn't mention, I think, in our introduction that you're really going to like about the gold in that area. So let's talk about this dinosaur. This is on uh, ABC Eyewitness News 7. You can go to abc7chicago.com. And the researchers discover preserved dinosaurs sitting on a nest of eggs with fossilized embryos by Ala Elisar written on the 14th. They've got a fossil uh, picture here, and they've actually found one very, very rare where they find a grown dinosaur sitting on a nest of eggs, and it's always been the, of the avian of birds. Um, but this time, uh, they believe that they have found something else in China. It's the first discovery of a dinosaur preserved while sitting on a nest of eggs with fossilized embryos, including at least three that are visible. Um, they did this in a Gansuho city, China, and it's now at the Karangi Museum of Natural History. And the picture of it is quite stunning. What they have found here um, is a non-avian dinosaur sitting on its nest of eggs, included with preserved embryos. It is a spectacular specimen, um, and the fossils believed to be an adult over-rapture. Um, it's about 24 eggs or more at least seven which have preserved the bones of the embryos inside. They can see the forearms, the pelvis, the hind limbs, a partial tail of the adult, and much more. Um, the fossil strongly suggests that this um, crocodile-like creature uh, or this animal was killed while guarding its nest like a crocodile does um, and just amazing so maybe they will find more of these but uh, you can read about that that is pretty cool now let's talk about uh, the history of gems now Van Cliff and Arpels explores the history of gems this is a gem and mineral show an exposition, as it were, in Paris. So if you're in Paris, you might want to go to wallpaper.com and look up Van Cleff and Epetals, Explore the History of Gems. And they have an ancient gold uh, bracelet or necklace here that's displayed. They talk about uh, how it took three years uh, to make this all up and get it all done in French tradition, the pairing of beautiful things and placing them close to the natural minerals is a stunning display to learn about this ancient jewelry and the minerals behind them. That would be cool to go check that out. Also, there's quite the gym show in India. Um, the J, or excuse me, GJEPC organizes India's Rough Gemstone Sourcing Show for 2021 in Jaipur, and you can find this at diamondworld.net, 
And uh, the article is there that talks about colored gemstone. There's uh, all these people who get together and get these gemstones prepared for selling them around the world. India, um, unknown to many people, as many gems as come out of India, a lot of them are not actually mined there, but they are processed. And um, sometimes, you know, there's coloring and cutting and things like this that takes place. And they are brought to a higher quality for the market and then resold. So you can find out about that if that's something you're interested in. Um, also, we want to talk about a beautiful gemstone. So beautiful, they named their daughters after me. If the gemstone could speak, that's what it says. If you go to instoremag.com, uh, Chris Brusselum on the on the fifteenth wrote so beautiful they named their daughters after me and there's a beautiful red gemstone here and it says it's just talking as if the gemstones are speaking it says we call ourselves the women's league of extraordinary gemstones amber beryl jade opal pearl and me the most famous gemstone name the most popular gemstone name of me and it's a quiz and you can type in your answer and uh put it below and then uh, of course they're going to get your email and all that and they'll tell you if you're right on this gemstone quiz and uh, my guess is it's ruby so uh since they have a red gemstone there and that is a popular gemstone name so that's kind of a fun one next what about emerald as an engagement ring? Um, six facts you should know before discarding the thought of an emerald engagement ring. This is on LuxuryTravelMagazine.com, written on the 15th. And I've talked about emeralds a little bit here and there. I love emeralds. But um, this article has some pretty cool facts that you might want to know about emeralds. I think setting them is very difficult. I think because of the way that the crystal forms, they do want to break to the side, um, and and corners can chip off pretty well. That's why typically they use a square shape for them because of the of that fact is what I think. But um, most people think emeralds are pretty soft and prone to scratches. Um, they can for sure chip and crack, um, and they they're and so can diamonds. But emeralds are about 7.5 to 8 on the Mohs hardness scale. So they are actually very hard um, and a strong gemstone for setting. It just depends on what you're going to do. Now, another uh, kind of myth about emeralds is that they're always cloudy. And that's not true. Um, there are some cloudy emeralds. There's a lot of them out there. They're certainly going to be more affordable. But um, clear ones can be had too. Now, emeralds are not always emerald green. Um, they can be from light pale green to deep dark green. Of course, the darker the green, the more the value um, to the green. Also, the cut. The way the cut is can depend, can help it um, get darker. Um, if it's cut deeper, of course, it's going to look darker. So you want a deep bottom on your emerald. If you can have a, a, a deep, uh, thick emerald, that's going to help. Now, the colors come from traces of chromium, vandium, and iron. That's what creates the greenness. Another uh, thought is emeralds can be pricier than diamonds. And that's true. A super high 
value rare emerald of perfect quality. Uh, it takes about two and a half times the effort to find a natural emerald, but um, there is a slew of different prices that emeralds can be found and uh, can be included in most people here in the United States um, range at some level, whether they be natural or lab created, um, they can be, you know, affordable for a few hundred dollars to thousands and thousands of dollars and tens of thousands of dollars. Now, natural emeralds can be oil treated for beauty. That is true. A lot of times they're treated with a cedar oil, which helps fill up the inclusions, uh, also makes them appear darker. And this is why you don't want to clean emeralds with an ultrasonic or steam cleaner, because that will uh, seep out the oil. Also, if there's any water inclusions in an emerald, that can split your, your stones. So you have to be very careful with gemstones that could possibly have inclusions filled with water. Uh, best to clean that with soapy water, warm soapy water, and a soft uh, brush or toothbrush. All right. Um, you can have them re-oiled if uh, it looks like your emerald uh, has uh, is is losing its darkness. Now, emeralds are great for engagement rings uh, and are popular with people who love the color green, which that would be me. So uh, I'm not looking for an engagement ring, but uh, <laughs> they are very, very nice. People are looking for different types of uh, engagement rings uh, that are different colors. We know that uh, pink morganite is very popular. Uh, gr green diamonds, green sapphires, and other green colors are also popular for those who love green um, that is an option. Now, let's get into some gold, okay? We are going to get into some of the rocks and silver and uh, other information, but let's talk about this gold, erupting gold exploration potential, the Pacific Ring of Fire. This is from the Visual Capitalist at visualcapitalist.com. It was written on the 15th. Um, there's nobody credited with writing this, but this it says it's sponsored by Kalo Gold, but no credited writer. This is a really cool article. you got to check it out. They've got a map here of the Pacific Ring of Fire. They've got all these spots pointed out where the Ring of Fire is, where there is a tectonic plate boundary, and uh, it goes all through the U.S., Russia, around uh, South America, and Australia, um, through Europe, the, and the um, all those areas. Pretty cool. It goes into a very good description of the types of tectonic boundaries that are found. If you want some geology lessons, this really breaks it down to simple. Now, 75% of Earth's volcanoes are located in this area of the Pacific Ring of Fire. 90% of the earthquakes are based around this area. A lot of geological activity happening. There are mineral deposits all over the place at the subduction zones. The subduction zones are areas where one plate goes and slides under another plate that produces this force and produces molten lava to rise toward the surface, which carries these hydrothermal fluids that contain these precious minerals. These minerals can be deposited when the hydrothermal fluids rise and cool off. Um, these can be just off the coast from where 
this tectonic action took place and now it has moved to underneath the ocean and as these areas become exposed or lifted above the water um, there are different types of deposits there's primordial deposits where copper and ore bodies form in the hydrothermal fluids that originate from the magma chamber at depth there's epithermal Deposits, which are vein-like materials that form from hydrothermal fluids near hot springs and volcanic areas. And um, these hot spots along and around the ring of fire are located where mineral deposits occur in a map here that shows you exactly where the hot spots are. Many, many, many. One of the edges of the discovery of the South Pacific that has proven very productive for gold and copper is around Australia, and uh, especially in this area of uh, Grassburg, uh, Lither, um, all sorts of areas. The Kedia Valley Mine is one of Australia's oldest gold mining oper uh, operations, and also the islands that are around it. Now, those aren't the only islands that have potential. The next edge of discovery in the Ring of Fire is actually in Fuji. A lot of people don't know the Fuji Islands are endowed with rich deposits of gold, zinc, and copper. Um, they are kind of pushing... Um, investment opportunity here i'm certainly not suggesting you do that but the uh that is a personal decision i'm not a financial advisor in any shape kind way or form but fuji's gold exports over the year have been impressive and uh, they're looking at using this uh, model to find more discoveries around these areas that looks quite exciting they go into really good detail on the magmas to metal mineral deposits of the pacific ring and you can read quite a bit about this i mean this is a really lengthy article talking about the production the next big gold discoveries in the area so on and so forth so you might want to check that out how to differentiate between topaz and yellow sapphire um, in the picture they look quite the same one looks maybe a little more golden than the other the article here is written in E-Times. You can go to india.com and find the article under How to Differentiate Between Topaz and Yellow Sapphire. It was written on the 15th. Um, I don't see anybody credited with this, but if I do, I will mention it. These gemstones are used uh, as jewelry. They're beautiful. People who love yellow, it's a very exotic-looking stone. Um, People are drawn to it around the world. The difference between yellow sapphire and topaz, there's many ways uh, which you can distinguish between the two gemstones, but before looking at the differences, it's important to know the characteristics and similarities of the stones. So we're going to list some important facts about both these stones, followed by the differences in how to differentiate them. Topaz is similar looking to the more affordable or cheaper version of yellow sapphire. Um, this gemstone is easy, uh, easily available, doesn't cost much. Um, topaz is uh, cheaper. You can see it on the Mohs scale as about an 8, which is not quite as hard as yellow sapphire, uh, but is much more inexpensive. Now, the difference between the yellow sapphire, um, even though appearance is not too different, it can, uh, topaz is hard, it can 
easily break cleave and can be brittle. Topaz is less dense in comparison to the yellow sapphire and its bright, dark, yellowed colored gemstone, whereas yellow sapphire is a light yellow colored gemstone. It's said that yellow sapphire slips between your index finger and your thumb of your right hand um, when it is original yellow sapphire. Topaz has visible inclusions which exist as tear-shaped cavities um, and also invisible inclusions which could only be seen from a microscope. Yellow topaz, although it may look similar, has different properties to yellow sapphire. Um, some of these sapphire differences, they say, are uh, how um, it uh, brings you, you know, good good luck or safety or whatever. So there are some differences to uh, between topaz and sapphire. Now, guess what? A famous actress or uh, a well-known actress who was in the movie called The Titanic is a fossil collector of sorts. At the dailymail.co.uk, our friends in the UK have an article here at the dailymail.com, Kate Winslet reveals she has become an avid fossil hunter after working with paleontologists while preparing for her film, Animite. Um, and this was updated on March the 14th, uh, 2021, if you want to read about that. Um, it's nice to have someone in our corner that's in Hollywood that enjoys collecting uh, minerals. And hopefully she will become a rock hound uh, pretty soon. Another good discovery in fossils is a massive, massive 6.45-inch megalodon tooth in South Carolina, United States, at a construction site. Um, although it is not the record breaker, which is just slightly bigger than that, this giant megalodon tooth weighs three pounds. Um, it's just shy of six and a half inches, the record, the state record. And these megalodons were known and believed to have grown up to 60 feet long and swam across the oceans above South Carolina, which is rich in fossils. Um, and where you can find these teeth. And apparently there was a megalodon shark nursery. Um, sharks do that up to this day. They find an area where they keep their little babies um, in, in uh, a safe area for a period of time until they are ready to uh, swim out and see the world and start killing things for themselves. Uh, you can see this at uh, kiro7.com. And uh, look at more information on that if you are interested. Now, Rock and Gym Magazine, uh, we're always giving them a shout out. They are not a sponsor. This is just uh, a resource that if you are a, a rock hound and a lapidarius, you will want to subscribe to Rock and Gym. You can get their emails for free. They will send you out information. That is where this comes from. Rockandgym.com. Silver. They have a beautiful. A uh, picture of silver here. It's called Silver, a story of its own. Uh, Steve Voynich is credited with this uh, article here. Silver in its native state, its natural state, is very artistic and beautiful. They have a specimen here of a high-grade silver ore from the long-closed Bulldog Mine in Creed, Colorado, where 20 ounces of silver lay here. And it looks like... Um, like like the trunk of a tree 
on a bare rock, a uh, white quartz rock, swirled and curling and like a piece of burl works done in silver. It is quite beautiful. Um, silver mining booms took place long, long ago in Greece, Rome, Europe, Spain, Peru, Mexico, and then in the Western United States, where some of the biggest silver mines are producing up to this day. I was blessed to go to the Lucky Friday mine in Idaho, uh, probably the biggest silver producer in the United States, and I think one of the top three in the world, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I got to go down over a half mile in the ground. Uh, the mine goes a complete mile in the ground. Uh, where they are still mining high-grade silver ore to this day. Wonderful experience. It gets hot down there. It's over uh, in the high 90s. As you approach the one-mile mark, um, they have to pump down air conditioning to cool and keep the miners and the equipment cool. Very, very interesting. The ground is moving down there. It is so hot that it is not solid anymore. It bows and flexes and uh, can be quite uh, dangerous as sometimes parts of the rock will explode under the compression of all the weight above. Very, very interesting amazing industry. Silver is a, a beautiful thing. Now, it's getting rarer um, because of its being used as industrial. It's not just saved in silver troy ounce uh, containers and also as mineral collectors. You know, we have this opportunity to collect these samples that uh, near the surface and such that are cannot be repeated. There's only so many of them. So uh, it's disappearing due to industrial uses and uh, new ways of mining are being searched out all the time. And the reserves only last 20 years at today's current rate of mining. So um, they feel that scientists and geologists have little hope of finding any significantly new primary silver deposits. But uh, I think uh, techniques can be... Um, can be improved and uh, we can maintain that for longer than 20 years. But that's what they have right now. Now for our keynote address by Bob Jones, uh, again wrote for Rock and Rock and Jim magazine, rockandjim.com. You can go there. He wrote about epidite here. Now, Bob Jones has written many, many articles for Rock and Jim. He has many, many years of experience collecting and prospecting and has been invited to many, many places. Epidites are very, very common, but the rare, beautiful minerals of epidite are hard to come by. Um, he states here that one of these uh, that rank higher on his list is a small dark that he saw was a small dark green cluster of slender epidite crystals with slanted terminations at the Yale Mineral Collection. Epidite minerals in the Yale Collection um, is, uh, he's found one that is actually fake. It's been set up with these spears uh, that shoot out. It resembles uh, 
like a hedgehog or something, and it had a little epidite crystal in it was actually um, minerals of, um, oh, now I can't remember what it was. It's, uh, I'll think of it, it's antenolite. It was antenolite spheres with an epidite crystal on it, but it had been kind of set up that way. But it, regardless of it being a fake, it stirred his interest in epidite, and he um, visited the Yale Peabody um, Museum, and that's where his interest in this epidite um, was found. Now, he noted that there's a, uh, a lot of specimens of epidite in this museum and other museums that you can find that are quite amazing. Uh, one of them is was about three inches and included a dark green triangle of hair crystals uh, of antenolite. And uh, again, it had a one inch long dark green terminated epidite crystal. So that was the one. Then he, um, that was from Australia that was a fake at that museum. Looked like a hedgehog. But in Looking at Australia's epidite deposits, they were known to be the most beautiful and most spectacular because some of these were such high quality that they could even be cut into gemstones. The localities of finding epidite, uh, epidite is a prevalent rock-forming mineral formed in vein various locations ranging from medium temperature metamorphic environments to scarns, pegmatites, and contact metamorphic limestone. The Australian epidite crystals were found in crystallized clefts in schiststone rock with amphibolite rock intruded by apolite, fine-grained type of granite. This environment will yield the elements necessary for epidite to form. Um, prospectors were looking for ore, but they came across these epidite crystals that became the standard for excellence um, until Pakistan started finding and producing some beautiful crystals. These crystals from Austria are elongated, range in color from pale yellow-brown, pale dark yellow-green. They have slanted terminations as one prism face is longer than the others. Crystal crystals frequently show shallow vertical um, uh, areas and readily develop clusters of sub-parallel growths in the lattice uh, lathe-like crystals up to a foot in length. Even the name epidite suggests how these crystals terminate with slanted terminations. The Greek word epidosis means addition, since one side of the prism seems to have added length resulting in slanted termination. So, epidite crystals of, uh, appear in various forms. They can be like a pyramid. They can be uh, tabular. They can be elongated. They can be encircular, blocky, massive. Twinning is common. Uh, chevron pattern can be seen in crystal termination. Fine crystals are known to appear dark green to nearly black. In uncommon situations, epidite can be faceted, but it tends to be quite dark once cut. The yellowish color shows best in shivers around the edges of jimmy crystals, but massive fibrous epidite's color is most often a pistachio green, 
pale green crystalline epidite is found abundantly in cracks and coatings on the faces of host rocks. Um, here in the West uh, United States, you can find quite a bit of epidite. He mentions here he had the opportunity to visit the Green Monster Mountain in Alaska. Um, this area, I believe, is close to a jade mountain where jade is found in Alaska. Um, I don't know if it's a true G jade or not. I, I read the article quite a while ago, but epidite was found there in that area and some wonderful uh, specimen collection uh, quality uh, epidite crystals and specimens are found there and if you ever have the chance to go there that is an opportunity. So guys uh, I believe that just about covers everything we have today. I want to thank you for tuning in. Please stop by RadicalRocks.com. Subscribe and join up and share and like and comment and all of that. Um, remember rock hounds don't die they petrify. <laughs>